0: Let's take a little time to reveal The prehistoric stories that the earth once concealed Mix them all together on this ancient land It's time to spread some paleo jam Welcome to Paleo Jam, another episode of Paleo Jam. I'm your host, Michael Mills, and with me today are my guests, Dr. Diana Fusco. Hi, Diana. Hello, how are you? I'm very good. And Nathan Phillips. Hello. G'day, Nathan. So um, today we're going to talk about fieldwork and what's involved, because paleontology, whenever, whenever people talk about wanting to be a paleontologist when they grow up, the thing they want to do is go out there and dig up the dinosaurs and do all the things. So as with all of these uh, podcasts, we start off with an object and diana you can go first what did you bring that's related to our theme
1: all right so i brought along the uh, lower jaw of a um, young palakestes which is a uh, species of megafauna Um, it's the one that you know there was some thought that maybe it had a little bit of a trunk which led to it being called the marsupial tapir Um, but you know more recently they think that it probably just had really kind of you know good. Um, prehensile lips and the reason I brought this one along is because um, I work in caves a fair bit and this dentary um, is a juvenile and it just reminds me that you know every single one of these fossils that we pick up on field work there's there's a story in it you know like this was a really young individual that fell down into a cave and died so you know did it fall down alone did it fall down with its mother we just don't know. But it certainly, you know, it has its own story. And, and
0: part of, yeah, but part of, a great big part of paleontology is trying to work out what those stories are, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and we can tell that this one is a young one just by looking at the state of its teeth. They're not very worn and they're not all fully erupted. Um, and looking at it in the cave itself, um, we this is the only part of this particular animal that we have. So, you know, we can say that if it did fall down with its mother, um, then, you know, she's nowhere to be seen in the cave story at this point.
0: Yeah. And so there are a whole lot of things that you need to, to, to be able to identify, aren't there? So you need to be able to identify that they're, they're the teeth of a juvenile. And you've, you've yeah. mentioned that, that they don't have the wear on them. So it's not just a smaller animal, no. a smaller species. It's actually a juvenile because of the, the, the wear and tear on the teeth.
1: Yeah, and also which teeth are present as well because this one still has its baby teeth. You can see here this little premolar um, and its back teeth just are not fully erupted out of the jaw yet.
0: So marsupials had baby teeth. Yes.
1: That's
0: so sweet. (laughs) Uh, Nathan, uh, what did you bring? Well,
2: mine's not quite of such scientific value. Mine's (laughs) sentimental. I brought with me a magnifying loop.
0: A magnifying loop.
2: Just explain what it is. Magnifying loop. Uh, this particular one is two glass lenses which help magnify so that you can see tiny little things. And this one's quite special to me because this has been with me on every single field trip I've ever been on. This lives in my pocket when I'm out in the field. It lives on my bedside table at home so I can know where
0: it is at all times. I had this thing since I was five. It comes with me all the time. And and I mean following on from what Diana said about stories, the stories that of, of that palakestis that eyepiece that you have has all of the stories of all of the things that you've looked at. Oh yeah, and it doesn't everything that you've seen. You've been on those field trips. You've like since you're five years old. You could probably buy one that's of a better quality. Oh, but probably, but 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 it doesn't have the stories. It's special. Yeah, i've i've got a i've got a i've i've got a few guitars at home, and there's one particular guitar. Um, It will make sense, listener. Uh, (laughs) um, But there's one particular guitar that I've got that there's a whole bunch of songs that I've written on. And if I lose that guitar, you can buy the same model guitar, but it's never going to be the same guitar, is it? Like Somebody could replace that thing, but it doesn't have all of the stories attached to it and that personal connection to it. Um, And speaking of personal connection, I will go to my object. So my object is well, technically it's two objects that have been cracked in half. Um, it's a fossil from Emu Bay in of a trilobite in South, here in South Australia. And it's the two halves of a fossil. Um, and it came about, this is my first ever fossil dig that I went on. Um, and I was there with John Patterson and he said, yep, yeah, just go over there. There's a hammer, there's a thing, start hitting things. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, is that how it works? bit more complex of course. Mm. Um and throughout the the, the, the the several days that I was there, you know, there was things that was like, Oh look, we've got one of those, that's a bit boring, oh that's interesting. That's this one I cracked up like Oh, that's so cool. And they said, Oh, you can keep this one.
1: Oh, lucky you! Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> they said, but, and, and partly because look, there is there is there is no additional scientific value from this that they could get. They they had they looked at it enough. Um. I mean, there was there was one. There was I remember one particular fossil where, I think it was Diego has uh, uh, has looked at it and he's gone, that's really cool. Well done. And um, we're keeping that. And he thought I'd be disappointed. and I'm like, no, that's really cool. I found something they're keeping. Yay. Um. But I love this, and I use this fossil when I go to schools and other places um, with my Scottish Tamashanter on, and it's a great example because it's got both sides, and you can see where the hammer was hit
2: oh.
0: on it, so you see where the split kind of happened and stuff. So it's a really cool educational thing, and people, when when you open it up, people are like, wow, and it's like yeah, that was that was that moment for me. Yeah. So so, Dana, coming back to the the
1: palakestes was it you that found that particular thing or or no it was it was teamwork um it was actually um dug out of the pit by a volunteer um cassie her name is and she just handed me this bag full of dirt and said there's a lot of bone in this one um, and because the, the site that we we're at you, it's a pretty muddy site and you really don't get to see what you're pulling out a lot of the time until you get it to the surface and you can have a bit of a clean uh, so we got it up to the surface and it was a, another volunteer um, Hayden who opened that bag and pulled the palakestis out so you know and that's just the way it is with field work um, we work as a team and you know we discover the stuff together yeah you do
0: and, and, and when you find something and this is what I found at, at Emu Bay and you've probably seen the same thing Nathan that, that there are moments where something new turns up or something that's like oh, yeah oh, what's that well, I mean what are those each of you share me a moment that you've had where you've I've been the person that's <laughs> found the thing or you're there when a the thing has been found that's like oh this is interesting
2: I mean, the best examples for me with that were probably at Collinsville near Borough. Um, back when we first started doing that,
0: I was, what, 12? Yeah. 12. So, so, dear listener, you, you don't have to be um, 18 or over to go on field trips necessarily. Not necessarily. <laughs> I I kind of snuck in.
2: Uh, <laughs> but Collinsville were some of the best ones because you just wander around these washouts. like cliff faces up above you you're looking along the walls for the fossils and every now and then you just see one and there are a couple i think it was um one of the kangaroos that was in the wall and i spotted that and i just ran straight over to it because <laughs> it looked somewhat complete it looked slightly different and your little kid's brain just ooh, shiny magpie go chase <laughs> and it just
0: you can't you can't change that and it's a very unique experience and, and part of that too is, is that thing that we we I've talked about with some of the other paleos is where you get your eye in mm. and you you get that ability to be able to spot things yes and yes. so the first little bit that I was in, at Emu Bay, I'm like, I'm not seeing anything that all of a sudden Wah! Mm. <laughs> I've just walked into this place um you, ha- you have that with every site because
2: everyone's different like, bones have different colors yeah. So you'll be working at one site and you get your eye in and then you go somewhere else you can't find anything, it takes you a couple of days and then suddenly yeah. bang, you know where
0: everything is. Yeah, so um take you back if you can remember mm-hmm. first field trip. I'm and and you. and Okay. Diana, for for you, you're now Doctor Diana. Yeah. Um when you when you like started embarking on this this, this paleontology thing, yeah. you know I said at the outset part of the stuff is like people are, oh I want, dress. I want to go out and find dinosaurs and stuff, so you're you're getting ready to go on your first field trip. What what was the what was the feeling like? What did, did take um, us back to that time if you can?
1: Okay, well my first field trip um, with paleontology anyway was um, as a student in the vertebrate paleontology topic, where we went to court and it. I loved it it blew me away Um, I I was a bit apprehensive because you know there's a bit of caving involved and I hadn't really done any of that at that point Um, but that was all good Um, it was actually you know a bit of fun to crawl through a couple of holes and stuff in the cave Um, and now I'm really lucky in that I often get to go on these trips um, with the students And you see that whole process, you know, where they're like coming along and they don't really know what to expect. You know, some of them have never even been camping before and you just see them absolutely falling in love with, you know, the the whole idea of being outside and doing field work, camping, you know, relying on everyone else around you. It's it's really good and I feel really lucky to, to see that process over and over again.
0: Yeah, because you have been, we'll, we'll come back to it in a second, because you, you part of your role with Flinders Uni Paleo Society has yeah. been in helping to organise yeah, some of these field trips. So we'll, we'll hold that thought, we'll come mm. back to it. Nathan, so the first field trip you went on... The first proper one was Colton's Two and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what, what was it like as a kid thinking, I'm going on a fossil dig? I'm not really sure there are words to describe
2: that Um, because it's always been a very special thing for me and I've been camping most of my life and going on that dig was just an extra step. Going with a bunch of paleos though, people who actually knew what was going on and seeing them work and getting to learn about the things we were digging up, it just added that extra bit to it and it just it's just very special like, i don't really have words to describe the feelings for it
0: yeah do you remember like that as i, as I talked about when when i first got to, to Emu bay and i'm i'm just pointed in a general direction yep yeah, go and dig up some dead things over there would you thanks more Ma. thanks <laughs> um look what what was the process when you got on site do, do you have a recollection of that
2: um the process for that one we were originally meant to be doing stuff at Borough and then we ended up at Collinsville doing the dig because they found a diprotodon there. Um, The process for that, we rocked up, most of us were put into the actual dig pit, we actually got to start digging up this diprotodon, others were given um, pieces of wire with plastic strings on them so that
0: you could go mark out. So there was 30 12 year olds all working (laughs) like, like children in the mines, it wasn't that was it? No. No. No, you, no. Were the other, you, you were the only young youngling. Uh, myself and my brother. Yep. That was it. So, you, go on, so you, 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 there, there's people with wire, there's people with yep. all sorts of different things.
2: the ruling was um, you'd have two main groups. One would be in the pit, actually digging up the fossils, and the other group would be wandering off to see if they could find any other sites, um, see if they could find other fossils, see what was around this area, because we hadn't dug there before. Just see what we could spot.
1: Send out the scouts.
2: Send out the scouts. And by the time Collinsville was finished, um, the Phillips clan was no longer allowed to go
0: scouting. Because we kept finding stuff every time we went out. <laughs> <laughs> so so, so the real paleos are like, oh, well, we can't have them. We, 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 <laughs> oh, oh, oh. They're discovering all the things.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, there's only so many diprated on you can fit. In one lab, so they are huge. This is, <laughs> is yes, they are
0: quite space. large. Um, mm-hmm. for those that don't know, De protodon is a large marsupial, what, how many tons? How many tons?
1: Oh, the size of a small car, size of a yeah, small car, about
0: two ton roundabout, mm-hmm. yeah, hippo rhino size, yeah, with a pouch, just moseying along in herds and migrating across this great southern land. Um, so Diana, come mm-hmm. back to. You mentioned before how you've not only had that experience of being the person that goes on a field trip for the first time and gets that, "Oh my goodness, this is like wow, yeah, but you constantly over the last ten years or so have helped organise field trips where you see this. yeah, again and again and again.
1: yeah, I, I feel I feel like it's a really kind of privileged position to be in where you can you do, you get to see that happening over and over again. Um, we just had a trip go out in um, July out to Alkuda in the Northern Territory, and uh, so we got fifteen, um, mostly you know, young, upcoming paleo students on this trip. And I mean, the journey getting there is half the fun as well. You can imagine, you know, two carloads full of people, two days well, it was on was entertaining.
0: Road. Yeah. <laughs> so you drive up. No. Yeah. I have heard rumors to the effect that it has been known that on some of these field trips. Professor Flint songs are sometimes played in the car. Is this true?
1: Depends if I'm in the car or <laughs> not. <laughs> no, they do. We, we usually try and introduce them to Professor Flint. And you know, some cars they listen to a lot and some cars they don't. It's so. a rite of passage. It's yeah. a rite of
0: passage. And so do you specifically choose songs that relate to the site that you're going to? So if you're going to... Um, if you're going to court for example, there's a whole bunch yeah. of megafauna songs. Or is it just...
1: It's whatever we've got at hand, but you know, <laughs> usually the more catchy ones, so, you know, Lola and Megalania.
0: Lovely. Lovely.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. So,
0: organising field trip. Yep. Obviously, there's a lot of
1: things involved. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do you, how do you start? Um, well, every site is different. Because, you know, some sites you might have a shopping centre nearby, so, you know, you can just duck out and get whatever you need if you run out. But others, you don't have that um, ability. Like, if you're in the middle of Central Australia, you have to take absolutely everything you're going to need for the entire trip. Um, And it's often, you know, your ability to take stuff out there that limits how long you can be out there for. But, you know, even right down to how much water per person per day... Um, you know, you got to make sure you've got toilet paper packed, um, and the boards for the toilet. We forgot the boards on our last trip. So, what, what does
0: that? What, 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 when you say the boards for the toilet?
1: So, when you're digging a toilet, and you have a um, so you're not just digging
0: for. Fossils. You're, no, we dig
1: for toilets. You too. Dig, dig for <laughs> toilets.
0: Do you find many toilets in these? No. So you, you're making the toilet. <laughs> We're yeah. making a toilet. <laughs> you're making yeah. the toilet.
1: Yep. Yeah, and so you have to stick a um, like a thunderbox on top of that hole, and you a need thunderbox. a thunderbox. Yeah, a thunderbox. You know, like a thing that you s- a throne that you sit on.
0: Ah, right. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's what you call it, the thunderbox, because yeah. the noise of doing the thing is the. So no, this is just just important that people get a sense of <laughs> yeah. what it's really like on fieldwork. So field this was a
1: clean podcast, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so you need boards um, between that thunderbox and the hole so that the thunderbox doesn't fall in the toilet. Sorry, the thund- yeah, it doesn't actually fall down into the doesn't fall toilet. down
0: into the hole when there's yeah. severe embarrassment by the person who yeah. made it, but also the person that's taken the fall.
1: Yeah, and we forgot those boards on the last trip, so... So, how did you manage this
0: particular situation? Um,
1: Well, we just, you know, didn't have a thunderbox to sit on. We just had to squat. So, well,
0: that's that's um, yes, that's that's a whole new experience for some of some people. Uh Brilliant. Um, Okay, so and and obviously you have to take into account dietary requirements and things that people eat, and you put all that information together. So it's always it's this is massive planning.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and you know okay. you've got to you've got to get people out there, so you need to have the transport, um, accommodation on the way. Um, it's yeah, it's a pretty detailed process, and you've just got to make sure that every single box and then some are ticked.
0: And in terms of and uh, of of, you go out into the field. Do you bring all the stuff back that you discovered? Maybe Nathan, what, what's your
2: been your experience? It depends on the location. Um, some places you can leave it in storage at the place. I think we had that at um, Wellington. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. actually left some of the stuff there because we couldn't fit it all. Other places you will bring it all back, and sometimes it gets to the point where you've just got to decide what stuff is worth actually digging up, because mm. sometimes you just you can find hundreds of fossils and you just don't have anywhere to store them you don't have the ability to transport all of them so sometimes you just got to pick and choose which can be a very difficult decision
0: yeah well, and, and I remember being at South Walker Creek and, and the, the, it's, a, it's a megafauna site but a more recent megafauna site and that thing at the end of it where you're covering the things over that you're not taking with you that, that, mm. or the things that you haven't finished digging out because you're coming back hopefully all going well Next year, Um, but then there's a whole bunch of stuff. We had, I think we had three, four vehicles, and we drove them back from there to to Queensland Museum, Hmm. uh, which was a couple of days drive. And uh, but just lots and lots and lots of big heavy stuff, because obviously the the they're wrapped in plaster. Whereas in in, in Emu Bay, you can
1: carry things in your pocket and your hands and stuff. We actually have a, um, at Wellington, the site that I'm working on now, we have left a partial articulated thylacaleo sitting in the bottom of the pit
0: mm. waiting for us to come back
1: because we just didn't have the time to get it out completely on our last trip.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, often people think that you, you you can just go there anytime and you you, you just dig it and you stay yeah. there until you've dug the thing out of site. Mm. I mean, what length of time is a field trip?
1: I'll and of
0: course, that can vary. Yeah, but. yeah,
1: yeah. Um, depends you know. on
0: where you're going.
1: Yeah, like if you're when we go to Wellington, we tend to stay up there for a month at a time, um, and that's because it's expensive to even just get up there. So you want to maximise that, um, and we have to take a lot of gear there as well because it's you know kind of an industrial palaeontology site almost with the level of gear we've got.
0: So so let, let, let's talk about that for a minute so what what does that mean because because we've touched a little bit on on the differences that there are in sites you know australian age of dinosaurs they've got a great big front end thing oh yeah they go front
2: unloaded get rid of the top get rid of of the top and then then you
0: dig um emu bay it's this area and you just go and sit on a stool and you crack rocks open um narakot you're in a cave under the ground or or else so so what does it mean by an industrial kind of um, jackhammers
1: we have had to use jackhammers in that pit um, because uh, sometimes the the ground in that pit can be uh, so heavily cemented um, naturally and it you just cannot excavate it with you know the nice little some spots in that were and... horrendous yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: every five minutes you are scraping clay off your trail and then you going yeah. to
0: go with the jackhammers <laughs> and the crowbars oh, so God. but it's part of the fun isn't it oh isn't yeah. It? yeah it's it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's much more fun i think when you're looking back on it mm. <laughs> but it's still Maybe. part of the the adventure of 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 you oh, know yeah. getting into it and getting dirty and all that sort of hmm. stuff yeah um and there's a there's a, site, I there's a site in Victoria where they've they they they've used explosives. That doesn't they surprise do me. They do
1: that at Riversley. They
0: have to... I they, yeah, they do it at Riversley but there's, yeah. a, there's a site um, near the water and again they have to wait the tide goes out then you run in <laughs> blow <laughs> things up grab things yeah. and then the tide comes in and you run away with the stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and, and that's the interesting thing too isn't it? Yeah. Every Every site... Be yeah. quite different, yeah, mm. uh, in terms of what you find, depending on on the taphonomy the, the of how the mm. things were, were buried um, and stuff. Mm. Um, we've got about six minutes to go, and uh, my next question is so you're on site doing the thing, doing the digging, the jackhammering, mm. the the, 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 the hammering, the dusting, or whatever it is. Yeah. For five, six, seven hours in a day or
1: more. How do you not get mad? Uh, you do, you do go mad. Oh, you do go mad. Okay, well that's yeah. that's good. That's that's yeah. cleared that if, up. Um, if you go to the pit at Wellington, there's all sorts of stuff written on the shoring, <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. where okay. you know people have you know slightly lost their minds after being stuck down there for a day or every day for you, several weeks. You
2: find ways to deal with it. Um, at the end of the day, campfire conversations
0: yes. are usually one of the best ways. To- basically becomes a therapy session, which is so entertaining. The, yeah. I guess, yeah, the debrief afterwards, like the, the, the yeah, that nighttime therapy mm. thing. Um, I mean, I, I've found, um, I'm thinking of, of, a part of the core thing is that you're, you're with people that know stuff. Yeah. Isn't it? And so mm. you, there's often conversations. Yeah. Um. I don't reckon I've been on a site where it's been too quiet for too long. It doesn't usually happen. <laughs> we did. We, ha- we, we have been known to um, burst into song at times. Uh, in yeah.
2: Not surprised. Not surprised. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, and I've had ideas for songs while we're on site oh, digging things. in the right. Field's
2: one of the best spots for it.
0: <laughs> and stuff. Um, all right. So, we've talked about a whole bunch of cool things about that field work. Um, just touch on a little bit about each of you before we finish, because your stories to field work are quite different, in the sense that and and where where you've come since then. So, Nathan, I knew you as a tiny little wee tacker at um, Palaeontology Week. Yep,
1: baby Nathan. Baby Nathan, baby.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the twelve-year-old that was going on the digs that we were talking about. Because you're you're not you're not a you're not a you're not Dr Nathan no but you still do all get to do all this cool stuff and you you work do lots of work in in the lab here so how did how did did that happen?
2: Uh, it actually started with paleo week at the museum which was quite entertaining it's
0: my fault (laughs) (laughs) sorry to all of those who've been Um, on field trips and uh, yeah go on so it started in paleontology I fell
2: in love with Dinosaurs. when I was like three. Apparently there was a little green dinosaur at a garage sale and I just wandered straight to that and it all kicked off from there. Got into the lab when I was ten through Paleo Week because some of the people here happened to be there and Dad decided, hey, let's see if there's a way for the little tacker to get involved. And They actually just left you at
0: the door, didn't they? <laughs> Your parents left they, you at the door. They probably would have if it wasn't yeah. for the paperwork. Um <laughs> Okay, so, so you, you started doing stuff in the lab
2: at about 10 years yeah, old. Yeah, I started sorting. I'd get a tray of dirt and pick out the fossils. And then from there, worked into field work itself. I started doing prep work. Um, more recently, I started doing actual casting. I'd make replicas
0: of the fossils. And it just keeps branching off from there. Have, have, have you thought about the degree thing? or and, and it doesn't have to be a thing that you do. Because um, I get asked that sometimes. Yeah. I managed to get my undergrad done. I yep. do have a
2: Bachelor of Science. I started my honours and then COVID hit. Ah. So it got a bit too complicated, so I put it on hold. And then I ended up going to Winton for work at the Age of Dinosaurs Museum. And I just haven't quite got back
0: to it yet. Might be in the future. But I think it's okay. I think it's okay to do that thing. I mean my whole life has yeah. been a thing of going, Oh, I'll do that which led to that, which and you and it's, 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 my whole life is a series of tangents. You just fall
2: down the rabbit holes. So and you.
0: and yeah. So Diana, your story is a little bit different.
1: I was not a dinosaur kid.
0: I'm out. I'm sorry. You're still That's not a dinosaur kid. A, still yeah, a I'm dinosaur still kid. not a dinosaur no, kid. No. So so how did you get to be Doctor? Diana um, in well, paleontology I came, organizing field trips.
1: Um, well I sort of came to uni a bit later maybe than a yep. lot of people um, trying to work out what I exactly I wanted to do um, and found you know paleontology here I guess I mean you know I was always interested in natural sciences um, you know fossils etc but I hadn't really thought it could be um, a pathway like it is and so um yeah I ended up in the Paleo society as field trip coordinator for the past couple of years which I've actually just stepped down from um, because I'm no longer a student and you know the society should really be run by students Um, but yeah I'm still here and hoping to get back into the field again doing um, my own research next year with any luck.
0: And and by way of of brief summary um, your area of expertise, the the, the research, because your, right. your PhD is out there in the world.
1: Yeah, so I'm a paleoecologist, um, so that means that I look at um, patterns that you see in assemblages of the past and, you know, how those patterns have changed um, through time, mostly in response to climate or even, you know, the arrival of humans in Australia. Um, and looking at what we can take from that response um, to help conserve today's ecosystems, which is, you know, pretty important considering what we've got facing us. Yeah, uh, it's interesting,
0: isn't it? it it's, we, pe- people often, we, our very first episode was on what's the point of paleontology, yeah. and I think that very clearly indicates yeah. why it matters. Well, uh, it turns. Oh my goodness! Yes, that's that's the that's the end piece. Um, thank you so much, Nathan. Thank you for having and me. And thank you, Diana, for being part of this podcast. Thank and um, stay tuned for another one.
1: What's that, it's time to spread some paleo jam.